September is here and midterms are just 65 days away. President Biden delivered an address this Thursday echoing much of the sentiment he showcased in 2020, saying this election is a battle for the soul of the nation. Republicans are criticizing the speech, saying the president is trying to make this an election about the past and former President Trump to cover for the high cost of living and inflation that has occurred under his watch. The Mar-a-Lago search remains a top story as the DOJ is doing just what Attorney General Merrick Garland said they would, speaking through their filings. And what exactly does the field of candidates in November look like? We'll take a deeper look at the field and see what early trends might exist. I'm Joe Moronsky, and this is The Political Informant, your place for fact-first politics. With Congress still in recess and the Supreme Court on its summer break, much of the spotlight is on the one branch of government which is still working, the executive branch and President Biden. After a relatively successful summer for the administration, including the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and multiple bills with bipartisan support, such as the CHIPS Act and the PACT Act, the White House is shifting its goals ahead of the midterm elections. Shortly before President Biden tested positive for COVID, the White House said that he would be out more often and on the trail talking to Americans. It was widely believed that this would be a mix of promoting his agenda, talking about legislation, and campaigning for candidates up for election in November. Well, now that is all happening, just a little later than expected. It started on August 25th, when the president went to Maryland to campaign with gubernatorial candidate Wes Moore. Before the rally, he spoke with donors and said, quote, What we're seeing now is the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, I'm going to say something, it's like semi-fascism, end quote. This remark was widely criticized by Republicans who say not only is it false, but it only further divides an already divided nation. That brings us to this past Thursday, when President Biden delivered an address from Independence Hall. Notably, Biden kicked off his 2020 campaign in Pennsylvania, returning to where it all began to deliver a strikingly similar message. Take a listen. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. The very soul of this country. Sound familiar? Well, it should. That line was used a lot during President Biden's 2020 campaign. The White House claims this speech sought to unite the country and address threats to our democracy, but many Republicans disagree. 
House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California tweeted Thursday night, quote, Instead of trying to bring our country together to solve the many problems he has created, President Biden has chosen to divide, demean, and disparage his fellow Americans, simply because they disagree with his policies. Mr. President, you owe millions of Americans an apology, end quote. The former president himself even responded to the speech via his own social media platform, Truth Social, writing, quote, Someone should explain to Joe Biden, slowly but passionately, that MAGA means, as powerfully as mere words can get, make America great again. If he doesn't want to make America great again, which through words, actions, and thought, he doesn't, then he certainly should not be representing the United States of America, end quote. The White House maintains that this was a speech about unification and has said that the president will continue to campaign for Democrats through November. On August 8th, the FBI executed a search warrant at the home of former President Donald Trump in Florida. For the first 48 hours, the only information being communicated was coming from the former president himself or people speaking on the condition of anonymity. It wasn't until August 11th that Attorney General Merrick Garland addressed the case. He revealed that he personally approved the decision to seek the search warrant, and shared that the DOJ had just filed to unseal the search warrant. It was during this press conference that the Attorney General said the DOJ would speak through its filings and not answer any questions. Over the next few weeks, the warrant, a list of all documents seized, and the redacted affidavit would be released. Here's what we know so far. For over six months, the National Archives sought cooperation from the former president in returning these documents to them. In January of 2022, 15 boxes were handed over to the archives, some of which contained classified information. From January to June, the archives made repeated requests for the remainder of the documents at Mar-a-Lago. In June, at least 120 classified documents had been recovered before one more envelope was turned over. Trump's legal team then informed the DOJ and archives that all documents had been turned over and one lawyer signed a document affirming they had complied with the subpoena that was issued on May 11th. The DOJ requested a search warrant on August 5th after receiving information that not all documents had been turned over. Throughout this all, Trump has attempted to assert executive privilege over these documents. For clarification, any documents relating to a president's duty do not receive executive privilege because they're maintained by the National Archives per the Presidential Record Act. The argument is now being made that Trump did in fact declassify these documents, though no formal paperwork has been found. It's important to note that the crimes the DOJ is investigating do not require classification of documents to be involved. The August 8th search yielded more documents, including ones so highly classified, you need to view them in a locked vault. Now, Trump and his legal team have filed to appoint a special master to review the documents for ones that may fall under attorney-client privilege. The DOJ responded by saying they already did this, but the judge has signaled a willingness to appoint a special master to prevent any future issues. In its latest filing, the DOJ released a picture which went viral relatively quickly, showing classified documents on the floor of a closet. Many have criticized this by saying it was released with the intention of going viral. Even the former president himself criticized the quote, photo op, via Truth Social. What we don't know yet is anything about the content of those classified documents beyond that one was about French President Emmanuel Macron, 
if any documents revealed any sources or methods used by the intelligence community, if the DOJ intends to file charges against the former president, and how far this investigation might go. This story is developing, and we expect more information as time passes, but there may be a few-month gap of big headlines made by the DOJ due to an internal policy of not doing anything too close to a politician within 60 to 90 days of an election. Sixty-five days out from the 2022 midterms, we have a pretty good sense of what the field is going to look like. This week, we're going to take a look at candidates for U.S. House, and there are a lot of them. With all 435 seats up for re-election every two years, the House is the best chance Republicans have to take control of a chamber of Congress. It's currently anticipated that Republicans will have a majority of at least 15 seats. There are only four states with primary elections yet to be held. Massachusetts is set to hold their primaries this Tuesday, September 6th, and Delaware, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island will hold theirs on September 13th. Louisiana is interesting because they don't hold primary elections, but operate on a majority vote system. If a candidate receives more than 50% of the vote on election day, they win. If no candidate reaches 50%, the top two candidates move on and another election is held. Currently, 26 candidates are running unopposed, so in total we know of 806 of the expected 846 candidates running for U.S. House. This does include Washington, D.C. We're only counting candidates who have received a bid from one of the two major parties, so let's take a look at the makeup of candidates. There are 407 Republicans and 399 Democrats running for House seats currently. 552 of these people are male, and only 254 are female, and one candidate identifies as trans non-binary. Of female candidates, just under 48% of them are Republicans. Former President Trump endorsed 151 candidates in their primary election, and about 83% of these people questioned the results of the 2020 election, meaning only 17% of the candidates that former President Trump endorsed in the primary and won didn't question this. At least 26 candidates identify as a member of the LGBTQ community. The top three races are white, black, and Hispanic slash Latino. 327 people are running for Congress for the first time, and 184 veterans are on the ballot. Next week, we'll take a look at the breakdown of Senate candidates. That's all this week from me. Stay tuned and stay informed. I'm Joe Moronsky, and this is The Political Informant, your place for fact-first politics. 